Autumn, autumn cleaning. Welcome to Hamlet Pod. Gents, boys and girls, welcome to episode 332 of Hand of Pod. I feel very, I sound very quiet, let's turn that up a little bit. Welcome to episode 332 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome. Who's a new champion of Argentina. Congratulations, Dan. Thank you. And Andres. Hello, welcome. We are um, in the middle of a bit of, I would say spring cleaning, but it's not spring, obviously it's autumn, um, in my flat at the moment, so... It's a bit of a mess. Sorry about that, gents. Um, I hadn't actually noticed, I must say so. Good. That was <laughs> it's about normal. part of the plan. Yeah. I, I think it's cleaner than the obelisk the other day, but... but yes, it would be uh, difficult to make it messier, although we do try our best when you're not here. Uh, we're sponsored by Fanatis, through whom, if you're outside Latin America, you can watch the Superliga and the Copa Argentina. And if you're in the United States, you can also catch the Copa Libertadores, the Sudamericana, um, and lots of other European football as well. Um, you can get three months off your first... No, that's not right, is it? You can get 20% off your first three months mm-hmm. rather than three months off your first 20% with Fanatis by going to fntz.co slash hop and using our exclusive discount code H-O-P-F-Z. Uh, please check them out. Even if you're not planning to sign up, then clicking that link um, does help us out. So thank you very much to Fanatis for their support. And the guys in the US, right, even though the Superliga season is ending, they will still be able to watch the Copa Libertadores via Fanatis. Yes, yeah, yeah, because all of that stuff continues. Um, The scores from the weekend just gone in the Superliga were Newell's Old Boys 3, Huracan 1, Boca Juniors 2, Banfield 0, uh, San Lorenzo 1, Gimnasia 1, Godoy Cruz 2, Patronato 1, Independiente 2, Belezarsfield 1, Tacheres 0, River 2, Atletico Tucumán 1, Aldo Civi 0, um, Lanús 3, Belgrano 1, Argentinos Juniors 0, Rosario Central 2, Defensa Justicia 1, Union 1, and Tigre 1, Racing 1. Results which, of course, mean that Racing are champions. And then on Monday evening, Estudiantes 1, San Martín de Tucumán 1, and Colón 0, San Martín de San Juan 0. The first topic of the day, of course, has to be that Racing are champions of Argentina for the 18th time, um, thanks to a goal from Augusto Solari. And also, in a way, thanks to a goal from, is it Agustín Lotti? Agustín. He's Augusto as well, right? Yes. Yes. Augusto Lotti, um, who is also a Racing player. On loan from Racing. And is on loan at Union, and who scored to put them 1 0 up away to Defensive Udicia, mm. which was, it was really more the final nail in Defensive Udicia's coffin than anything else, because by that point, Racing were already leading 1 0. Mm-hmm. And we knew that if Racing managed to match Defensive Udicia's result, it would be um, 
that they'd be champions. But it, as it turned out, that Lotti goal turned out to be quite important because Matthias Rojas scored a 97th minute free kick for Defensive Justicia. Shocking, um, really. Yes, yes indeed. Another it's late goal for Defensive Justicia. score late. Uh, and therefore, um, it did help them to the yes. title after all. So congratulations, Dan. Thank you, Sam. Very happy. It was uh, pretty emotional. It looked like it was going to be uh, plain sailing at the end there. You know, Racing 1-0 up, Defensive Justicia 1-0 down. But of course, um, there always has to be one last twist to make sure Racing can't just be comfortable. And that came, yeah, with two injury time goals. Yes. And I think an inordinate amount of stoppage time added on for both games. I don't know, I wasn't watching Defensive DC obviously, but I don't know where they got six minutes from that Tigre Racing game. Well, and Defensive DC they went up to 99 minutes in the end, didn't they? Like no, the, the the Rojas free kick was the last kick of the game. Effectively, they right. they took a couple of minutes to um to restart the game after that, but then the, the whistle went straight away. I but I wonder whether some of the second half stoppage time in that game, which obviously I have both games on, the Racing game on the TV and the Defensive DC game on the computer, but I ended up paying much more attention to the Racing game because mm-hmm. it was a more important game. Um, and I wonder whether some of the stoppage time in the second half there had to do with the um I don't know whether you noticed because you were watching Racing, but um. About a minute into that game, the the corner flag, one of the corner flags, got snapped in half, and they had to tape it back together. And they, it seemed to me at the end of the first half, they added like two minutes on, right. and it was it was more than a two minute delay. Um, so it was a bit. I, I wonder whether they they realised that they hadn't quite compensated enough for that at the end of the match or something. But it might be that something happened in the second half that that justified seven minutes of stoppage time. Very possibly. Very possibly. Know. No, but just yeah, delighted really. Because it's been a long championship, like not so much for the amount of games played, but it feels like it's been going on forever. Um, Racing yeah, have led, led it from the fourth round of fixes onwards. Um, there was always a bit of room for, for nerves. They had the game against uh, River, you know, of course, 2-0 defeat, which got people a bit on edge, the whole deal with Centurion. But in the end, Racing had Lisandro Lopez. He was kind of just the standard bearer for the for the whole tournament, 17 goals in these 24 games so far, and he's just been immense. And you can just you can see as well how much it meant to him. I don't know if you saw. Um, I was actually going to propose this perhaps for the image of the week, but the Tigre free kick they had at the end, mm. he was in the wall, and he just burst into tears while waiting for I think it was Diego Morales to take the free kick right. <laughs> just just lost it and. Um, and Nelly Dominguez came over, gave him a hug and tried to just calm him down because he literally couldn't take any more. It's a guy, you know, who's been at Racing, I think. Um, he joined him when he was 17, went through a hell of a lot of shit, you know, went to Europe, of course, won titles all over the place, but never managed to do it with Racing. And yeah, it was a, it was a very big moment for him. And then, of course, then you would have seen uh, another guy, Matias Saracho, uh, mm. in a post-match interview. He was just inconsolable just couldn't take any more and as well he's I think he's heard he's a guy who's been at Racing since he was eight years old and he's kind of he lived in the club almost since that age as well just away from his parents and away from his family just giving it everything and no the kind of things that are just beautiful to see as a football fan I get the feeling like that Racing are a fairly popular champions apart from those soulless Bastards who, who wanted Defensive Cordicia to win. But there's always kind of a nice feeling when 
when wrestling win a title maybe because it doesn't happen particularly often but I think it's always kind of a sensation in fairness no but I'll get the sensation that no one you know apart from maybe in the Benin defence like no one begrudges wrestling their titles generally mm-hmm. which is nice to see and then yeah later after the game going to the the Obelisco I uh, can't remember all of it because there was a lot of alcohol flying around um, but it was it was very very fun um, Monday not quite so fun with a fucker of a hangover but but we got through it you're over that now I am over that now so yes we record on Tuesday afternoon so just uh, about yeah just about good glad to hear it yes. it was actually Lucas Rodriguez by the way who scored that late free kick for Tigre ah, as, yeah, it, yeah. as if that matters yeah. um, it matters in one way but of course we'll get on to the relegation battle in a little while um over the course of the season, Dan, it, it, like normally with these title clinching episodes, we sort of ask, you know, were there any turning points or whatnot? And really, there weren't too many turning points here because, as you say, Racing led from the fourth yeah. round. There was that a couple of rounds into the into this year when Defensive with DCM briefly pulled dead level on points, and it looked like it might get interesting. But apart from that, it was plain sailing, really, wasn't it? It wasn't very Racing. It wasn't. No, I mean, I think that's what made people more nervous than than perhaps it, they should have been because um, the fact that Racing led from start to finish it's like you're just kind of waiting right, where's the hiccup going to come where's it going to come and if you had to I wouldn't maybe not a turning point but a defining moment um, would be that weekend where um, when Racing went to Independiente a, a stadium where they never win ever ever and and came out 3-1 winners I think that and then the day after that was when Boca's victory over Defensive Judicia came mm. and I'd say from that point onwards it was like yes this is Racing's to lose like there's no no real doubt about that and just yeah going to Independiente and winning was was huge for the team absolutely huge yeah especially I just brought Racing's fixtures up as well that was a couple of weeks after the, the defeat away to River yeah. as well which was the I guess the blip that was when the fencing of DCA pulled to within a point I think. it was in the middle of like yeah there was a flurry of fixtures you had River and Independiente away and they also had their Sudamericana mm. tie against Corinthians which obviously played mostly reserves in and, and went out on penalties so I guess that's the, barely up on. That, that's actually a question that I, I wanted to ask now though was that having wrapped the title up a week early um, and rather more calmly than, than you thought. Do you wish they put a bit more into that Corinthians tie? Because it was very winnable. I mean, yeah, it was I really mean, tight, even with Racing not paying any attention to it. Yeah, I mean, hind- hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Like, It would have been great to know, yeah, yeah you're going to win with a week to spare so you can stick everyone into the sort of Americana. But no, I think Racing always had their priorities straight and was that they can't lose the league. Like... They go out the Sudamericana, it's fine, yeah. but if they relinquish that lead on the Superliga and not finish champions, it would have been a catastrophe. So, mm-hmm. all in all, you know, I mean, we talked about this many times on the pod, like, none of us like this thing of resting players for games when players really should be able to play two games a week, uh, midweek and uh, weekend, but, yeah, I can't, I can't follow the decision. At the time, I thought, I have a feeling that you weren't with us for the recording immediately after the Corinthians elimination. Because at the time, I remember thinking it was a bit weird how, particularly, you know, I mean, with Racing having been the league leaders, and obviously with my River sympathies, they're probably the two teams I've watched more than any others this season. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it felt a little bit strange 
how on the one hand you've got River whose fans are just like yeah don't give a shit about the league <laughs> just go out all out for anything in the continent um, and with Racing it was exactly the opposite it was like yeah who cares if we just essentially give the Copa Sudamericana to anybody because Racing would have been you know contenders in my opinion if they reached the latter stage of the Sudamericana yeah um, and yeah you know we, we just want to make sure we win the league and you were thinking well, you're, you're probably going to win the league anyway why don't you try for both um, but yeah there we are I, I think sorry Sam but I think that regarding the, the, the play or the, 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 the way they play overall I, I mean they had some downs especially against River but they have they had a lot of highs and especially against Independiente mm. uh, that, uh, regarding the, 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 the way they played uh, uh, overall uh, 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 during the, the league or Superliga uh, they, they shouldn't have suffered that much of course I, I am not a Russian supporter I'm not on, in their skin to know what is to suffer so much but uh, Apart from the, the the thing that I said in the uh, previous episode, in which that if they become champions five years after the last title, it's not a lot of time regard, uh, taking into account the, the previous yeah uh, sure. years five year gap before that. So uh, I I and I feel that or I I read that from uh, some. Uh, Journalists that are, of course, are also Russian supporters, saying that they that, that that suffering is not anymore, and 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 taking that Russian positive or positive Russian yeah. hashtag that uh, it was used, I think, since the Cocas. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. That was all. That, of course, of course, it's Russian has to be uh, uh, have to have a, a, a bit of suffering, and the result that that one one uh, put that a bit of drama to the to the. It's celebration, but no. But I think when when we say we suffered, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Like I don't think anyone, you know, aside from normal nerves, um, really suffered. It was, yes, you know, know, you're talking about a team that's four points ahead with um, with one game to play still in a 25 game season. That shows that they were far superior. I mean, uh, it's you know, it's something that's always been attached to to Racing yes. as a club, and we play along with it. I mean, if you want to talk about suffering, talk about uh, Copa Libertadores final, where the second leg was moved to Madrid, yes. and where the winning team had to come back from behind three times. That's doesn't get a more more suffered than that, I don't think. But yes, and I, it's I, something you know, it's something we say. But but I watched yeah, a, a photo, it was joy rather than anything. I watched an image yes. uh, the other day uh, that I, I think that it's graphic, or at least it's great to to see the moment before. How it was before and how it's now because uh, in, 20, in 1999 Racing was about to not disappear but it was that that Lalin episode that Daniel Lalin that mm-hmm. was thrown a drum and 20 years later they are the champions of the Superliga uh, and it's of course it's one hand one uh, episode that was black and now it's a lot of light uh, to put it in so yes uh, I, I I see that suffering has to do more with uh, uh, River suffered a lot more when they had to had to go to Madrid and play against Boca, the second leg of the final. But yes, I I I, I watched or I read uh, some some people saying that yes, suffering is not real suffering now. It's like no, no, suffering do. was playing the promotion, going, you know, always looking at the promedios, wondering like uh, selling your best players every single year just to pay the bills. Like that's suffering. What yes. racing, you know? I'd say for my money, we're racing. 
they're definitely up there with River and Boca as I think the, the three best teams in Argentina. Um, it would have been interesting to see, you know, uh, River and Boca as well, kind of not distracted by by their Libertadores so much, just to see whether things would have been a little bit different, you know, a, I, kind of a truer league. I uh, think realistically they would have been, because I'm just looking at the the, the table. Racing mm-hmm. obviously are the, the top scorers, they're also yeah. the team who conceded the fewest goals. Uh, as befits the champions, albeit with a game to go, so that might change. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, then we're going to lose ten 0 against Defensor yeah. and just laugh at them. Yeah. Um, but then, right behind them, the, the second and third highest scoring teams in the league are Boca and River. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're in the, the top joint, four. Yeah, yeah, Boca have the joint best defense along with Defensor Justicia, and River have the fourth best defense. Uh, and that's in spite of the fact that, as you say, they essentially it wasn't even half the season, yeah. was it? It was, it was like the first two thirds of the season. Oh, um, both of those sides didn't really pay very much attention. So I think it, there's a, an argument to be had that the situation could have been a bit different. Yeah. But it's been um, a phenomenal campaign by Racing by all accounts. Indeed, so I think, yeah. And, and I think they've already. Well, I, you'd have to look this up. But I think they've already overtaken Boca's points tally from last year, having played three fewer games. Let's just check. 2017-18 it feels really weird looking at this when we shouldn't actually be anywhere near the end of the season still (laughs) Um, Boca's points tally last year was was 58 Mm -hmm. so Racing have 56 at the moment so they can overtake it and if they do obviously they will have done it in one game fewer because Boca played uh, two games fewer because Boca played 27 games last season Um, and Racing have played 24 and will have played 25 um, but yeah, you know, one of only two teams to lose twice and no more than twice mm-hmm. because the defence was DC, of course, being the other. Um, and yeah, and, yeah. and as uh, not a single defeat at home. As, as Eduardo Caldet put it as well. Obviously, he has his own reasons, perhaps, for saying this because he's fond of River uh, <laughs> due to his playing days as well. Uh, but River were the only team who actually outplayed Racing this season. Uh, yes. Because the other defeat came, I was, I've just reminded myself, and I was really uh, uh, momentarily surprised. It was against San Martín de Tucumán. It was in the um, weirdest game I've ever seen. Yeah. Just bizarre. Which which was not really a game in which Racing could have been said to be outclassed. They, they outclassed themselves, maybe. They outclassed <laughs> themselves. Um, but yeah, congratulations, Racing. Thank you very much. Commiserations to Defensa y Justicia, who I have to say... Much as we were uh, blowing their trumpets on hand pod for a lot of the season, I was getting a bit fed up with them in the last few weeks mm. because for all of the nice play, they really don't like creating proper chances for themselves. They're, they're far more get a 1-1 draw at home to a team that they ought to be beating by scoring a 35-yard free kick in the 97th minute than they would maybe just have a couple of shots from inside the box. It was just... For the last, I mean, Peter actually made the point on Twitter, which I think I broadly agree with, which is that since Gaston Tony's injury, that seemed to be when the chances dried up and they started with, yeah, you know, the collective play's still nice, they're still fun to watch, but a lot of the chances are just twatting it from 25 plus yards mm-hmm. and hoping it flies in the top corner. Who replaced him? He was Alexis Castro? Um, Tony in the last couple of And matches, they brought back uh, Marquez in yes. January. Yes, they did, yeah. But he. Kind of, it was an impact substitute more than anything, right? Coming on for those defensive Cordicia minutes, kind yeah. of 20 minutes from the year, 15. Yeah, Becasese uh, time, as I think they call Beca-se-se. it. Uh, he tended, it, it was sort of rotating between Ignacio Aliceda and uh, the other bloke whose name I've forgotten, Alexis <laughs> Castro, yes, um, Andres, who you mentioned, um, for, the, for that kind of role on the, I guess, the, well, the left hand side of the 4 3 3 normally, wasn't it? But, 
Um, yes, the last match is during, uh, since I think uh, they lost against Boca. Their their performances have have been mm. I mean a bit down and, and I think really since the first leg of the of the Sudamericana against Botafogo yeah. when when obviously they were probably the better side in that but then lost to a ninety second minute goal um, to go in one nil down into the second leg and then got thrashed in the second leg in spite of largely dominating possession wise and shot wise I think that was really kind of when they started to come undone for me it started to get a little bit. They got stuck in that rut, and they continued to play well, but without yes. doing the important stuff. Yes, and then luckily, I think it will be similar, or I think that it will be similar to Lanús's uh, team that dismantled after the 2017 Copa Libertadores. I mean, most of their teams are on line, right? Uh, most of the players, even. Yes, uh, Domingo Blanco's on line from Independiente, Lisandro Martinez, I believe, from yes. News. Or did he, was he one right. of the ones? I know he played for News, I wasn't sure if it was. A permanent or or temporary deal. Let's check in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're gonna have a hard time keeping that team together. Yeah, Alexander Barbosa, of course. They Alexander have. Barbosa, he's, he's their player. Ah, yeah, because uh, he That's was on loan from River before and um, isn't now because right. they bought him. Um, I think by the look of this, Alexander Martinez is is also their player actually. It's sometimes hard to tell. So it's actually what we talked about the other day, right? We had a question on this line. It looks like he was people. loaned last season and then they bought him permanently ah, this, gotcha. at the start of this season. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're going to struggle to keep hold of them <laughs> even then because the best performers are going to go to River or Boca yes. or, or Racing or Independiente. Indeed. Um, and, you know, maybe even one or two might go abroad. I mean, Martinez and Domingo Blanco. Yeah. Who you mentioned, of course, as an Independiente player, in fact, are now in Argentina internationals. I mean, it's um, kind of a so show of some kind of a show window. Yeah. It's kind of a show of what Defensa Justicia's status within Argentine football would be. Was is that Becasesi would apparently be even considering an offer from News, right? Indeed, it's been terrible for for years, but there's still News and Defensa Justicia are still Defensa Justicia. Although it is worth pointing out that Becasesi is a boyhood News fan. Um, yeah. I suspect that he wouldn't be looking at it twice if mm. it was most of the other clubs in Newell's situation. Uh, but yeah, it, it's yeah. very much kind of, it, it's not as if he's going to. It wouldn't be as if he'd just done similar things at, say, one of the big five and then Newell's came in for him. There'd be no less that chance be that anybody story, would yeah. take that rumour seriously. Yes. Um, you see, they went for Becasesi and not Pochettino, just to have one example. Indeed, yes. <laughs> uh, but So defensively with PC, I don't think ultimately they can really look at themselves as, as having been hard done by. Um, but they have had an impressive season. and, and That's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the other factor, of course, which is still very much alive, is the relegation battle. Mm. Because at the top of the table, I think everything's basically wrapped up now. Rassi, of course, a guaranteed first place. Uh, Al Boca could leapfrog Defensive DCA into the second, mm. um, <coughs> which I think would doesn't be somewhat make unfair. Much, doesn't <laughs> make much uh, real difference, though, right? Because no. the three no, first no, places no, 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 are really group stage anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think if Defensive DCA finished as, as low as third, then they possibly could look at themselves and think, yeah, we've been a bit hard done by that. But <laughs> they would also only have themselves to blame after some of the football they were playing earlier in the season. If they can't so. beat R- Racing on Sunday after Racing being on a seven day bend uh, they should have something to look at. Yeah, I mean, their, their um, goal difference is, is way inferior to Bocca's because, as I said, Bocca, the second highest scorers in the league, uh, defensive DC have scored nine fewer and conceded the same number of, of uh, goals. Um, so if defensive DC were to draw with Racing and Bocca were to win their game, then Bocca would finish second. I think, actually, now that I've said that out loud, I think I make Bocca favourites to finish second, to Ooh. be honest. 
Interesting. Because I mean, I would think that Racing are going to want to go out with a bang, aren't they? They're going to obviously they're going to want to go out to for a bang. But fans. from what I've been hearing for for this Sunday, the show that Racing are, are putting on, the game is really kind of the least <laughs> of their concerns. Unsurprisingly, um, River are also similarly not going to finish uh, higher than Boca, but um, they are virtually guaranteed fifth. They are three points out of Atletico Tucumán and they are 13 goals better off in the goal difference column. So River could, uh, probably, almost definitely, if, if River lost at home to Tigre um, and Atletico Tucumán won their match, River would still finish fourth. Well, there was a match, uh, I think it was 10 years ago, uh, with Angel Capa in the bench and Caruso Lombardi in the bench of Tigre. I was at this match, so I know what you're going to say. Go on. In which River lost 5-0. Yeah, 5-1. Uh, if I remember rightly, they were 5-0 down at half-time and then they scored quite early in the second half. That's uh-huh. not my memory, has it? Because I was right behind the goal where all the goals went to. It was a very strange atmosphere, that game. That was also <laughs> the last last week or the last home game of the season, I think. If and I think, I, if I'm not wrong, the last match in which Marcelo Gallardo was there, not and didn't enter into the match. Uh, he was in the bench and Arangapa couldn't make him play because of, uh, I don't know if it were injuries there and, and he had to make like emergency mm. replacements. Uh, if I am wrong, wrong, this was that much. But yes, unlikely will happen that again. But <laughs> indeed, um, but that's a nice way of segueing into relegation talk mm. because it's very much alive. As is the Sudamericana. Um, I'm just wondering whether we should take a half-time break now and then talk about that afterwards. No, let's 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 let's, cover, let's cover the Sudamericana battle first because it's a bit less interesting. Well, no, it involves more teams. So let's do relegation now. Because yes. actually, relegation is quite simple. It's sort of really kind of like, who isn't in the really Indeed. Yes, exactly. So we'll cover that after the break when we have a little bit more time again. So the relegation table, uh, just to remind you of everybody's results at the weekend who I'm about to mention. Patronato lost, which means that they're still on 90 points. San Martín de San Juan and Tigre both drew, which means they're that they're on 88 points. And Belgrano... Um, lost, so they are still on 87 points. Screwed, basically. Probably, yes. Which means you've got those four teams, one of them is going to stay up, and the other three are going to join San Martín de Tucumán in next season's Nacional B. I make Patronato the favourites, I think, but there is a little bit of extra intrigue. Patronato are at home to Argentinos Juniors. Mm -hmm. Tigre, of course, are visiting River. The other two are also at home. San Martín de San Juan are at home. Belgrano are at home to Godoy Cruz. And mm-hmm. San Martín de San Juan are at home to... Someone. Andres, you've got Promiedos up. Who are yes. San Martín de San... I, I could remember the other three. And I was like, I'm going to remember before I finish talking. I think it's all yeah, a camera. Tacheres. And they're all playing at the same time. I see. Uh, they will be. The, the kick-off yes. time, I don't think, has been... An, oh, has the kick-off three, time been announced? Yeah. three. On Sunday. Yes. Yeah, because the are playing at 6.30. There was some fuss about when exactly the matches would be played. Uh, Nestor Gorosito, the Tigre manager, right after his side drew with Racing, said uh, that he had heard whispers that um, the games were going to be played on Saturday and that that wasn't fair because Argentinos Juniors, Patronato's opponents, have got a Sudamericana game on Thursday night and therefore would turn up to the game tired. They have to have 48 hours rest before. This is an AFA regulation. Why aren't they playing it on Sunday? The media, some of the media picked this up. A lot of people on Twitter picked it up and started getting angry about it. 
I was a bit nonplussed. You might have, if you follow me on Twitter, you might have um, seen me complaining in both English and Spanish about the fact that people were complaining about it because <laughs> nothing had been announced. And you kind of, you were like, look at the regulations. The regulations mean, okay, Godoy Cruz have a Libertadores game on the Thursday, kicking off at quarter past six. So the regulations mean that those matches are going to be played on Sunday afternoon, kicking off before half past four. Yeah. And that way, I can Dinos get 48 or more, more than 48 hours after their Sudamericana game, and Godoy Cruz get, more than four, get just, a, uh, just more than 48 hours before their Libertadores game. And then other people... A couple of people pointed this out and got replies saying, oh, but Godoy Cruz are going to put reserves out and River have got Libertadores this week and the week after, so they're going to put reserves out against Tigre. And you're like, yeah, probably. That, not forget, that's how squad rotation yeah. works. Let's not forget that Godosito was a uh, River manager, so obviously River <laughs> are going to be doing him a favour and throwing the game. Indeed. This is yeah. obviously going to happen. But I mean, no, I mean, the, 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 but the thing with like, oh, but they're going to play rotated squads. I mean, yes, because it's far and away the less important game for them. But Godoy Cruz have got, I think it's, we're recording on Tuesday. So if I'm doing this right, Godoy Cruz have three games in the next seven days because they're playing tomorrow. Is it tomorrow or tonight in the Libertadores as well? Um, and River have got three games in the next nine days. So tomorrow the Cruz plays Universidad de Concepción on 7.15 thank you Andres so Godoy Cruz have got three games in the next week River have got three games in the next week and two days because I think their Libertadores game next week is on the Thursday isn't it um, so yeah that, of course they're going to play second string sides on Sunday I mean that's, that's just that's how football seasons work it happens everywhere um, no River plays next Thursday not, not yes Tuesday. right cool that's what I thought um, so yeah, okay, that, that maybe gives Tigre and Patronato an advantage, and if it gives Tigre and Patronato an advantage, then what it actually means is that it, it gives Patronato an advantage. Sorry, not Patronato, Patronato are playing Argentinos. Um, who is it who's playing Godoy Cruz? Belgrano. Maybe it, it, maybe it does give them an advantage, but also Patronato have the advantage of needing a point. Yes. Um, essentially, a home to Argentinos. Uh, and, and that means that they will then at least, it'll be in their own hands, it might go to a playoff, but that's all they need to, mm. to keep it in their own hands um, everybody else is at a disadvantage of, of being behind and that's because they weren't good enough over the course of in three cases three in, two, in two of the three cases sorry over the course of the season in Tigre's case it's another example of why the Promedios is such a stupid relegation system because Tigre should be qualifying or, or should be on the brink of qualifying for the Copa Sudamericana and instead they're worrying about relegation and they may still qualify for the Sudamericana right? Yes, yes, that's what I just said. Um, I thought you said are, we're on the brink, sorry. Yeah, yeah, well, it, yeah, it, I yes. mean, they're very much in the battle. They're 11th or something, I think it is in the league. Oh, hang on, I've got the league table here. I don't know why yes. I'm guessing about their position. <laughs> uh, they are, this is this season, isn't it? Yes, it is. They're 11th, yes. uh, one point behind Lanús, yeah, who are the bottom currently qualified Sudamericana side. Um, they should have defeated River because uh, Lanús is the last uh, one qualifying to the Sudamericana with 34, and they have 33. Yeah. Uh, it's like unlikely that they will qualify. I, but I think it's unlikely anyway because they've also got Tacheres just above them, and they've got uh, oh, who are also involved in these relegation clashes, of course. Yes, uh, and they've got a, a, you know a bunch of other teams essentially level. We'll, as I said, we'll talk about the Sudamericana battle separately after the break. Um, but in terms of relegation, we if have a situation know. where if Patronato draw, then if San Martín de San Juan or Tigre or San Martín de San Juan and Tigre mm-hmm. win. We would have three, two or three teams tied on ninety-one points, so we'd have a, a playoff. Or a oh, that would be fantastic! And if they're going to draw, and Patronato, and sorry, and Tigre and San Martín and Juan lose, 
that also will mean that they will have a three. Yeah, but they'd all go down. So it wouldn't make yeah. a difference. If, if, with Belgrano, um, they'd, they'd all go down. Yeah, they'd Patronato just be down. Yeah. Stay up. Uh, but if um, the other one possibility of a Patronato versus Belgrano playoff would be if Tigre, San Martín and San Juan both fail to win, Belgrano do win and Patronato lose. That would leave Belgrano and Patronato tied on 90 points. Um, but the thing is that this all sounds tremendously exciting and last day of stuff. And, you know, one of the things when we've had occasional in past seasons uh, towards this part of the year sort of attempts at justifying maybe how the promedios work is, is been, oh, well, they keep it interesting up until the last day. But if you look at the, the league table at the moment, Belgrano are 26th mm-hmm. with 21 points. Patronato a 20th with 23 points. There are two points separating the bottom seven sides. <laughs> so if you're going to have four teams relegated, then, I mean, that's just as dramatic. And one of those bottom seven is San Lorenzo, <laughs> who, on the showing... And in fact, actually, sorry, that is not quite... Right. San Lorenzo have... Apparently, they've had six points deducted this season. You remember we were talking last last uh, week, and I was saying, I think it's from the start of next season. Yeah, but, but they've taken the points off now because it doesn't make any difference to anyone. Yeah, guessing. precisely. Well, I'm pretty uh, sure because the Premier of course. What, what I'm pretty sure, pretty sure is about is that uh, looking at the relegation battle, of course, it's more suffering than Racing's title <laughs> becoming champions uh, uh, match because they they were Racing, uh, uh, I think substitutes and and the, and the uh, assistants uh, of uh, Codet were were celebrating and saying that they were already champions and after that. Tigre uh, scored the equalizer, but uh, even t- knowing that, uh, if you look at this, San Martín, San Juan, Belgrano, Patronato, and Tigre battle not to relegate, not to be relegated, it's of course much more supper. Yes, indeed, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's the relegation situation. We'll see what I think is going to happen when I do my mystical predictions at the end. I think last week we were all unanimous that Patronato were going to save themselves, right? That yeah, I pick. mean, I, I still have nothing changed there, to be honest, reason. because yeah. they've got so many results can go their way, and, yes. and relatively speaking, they need. I mean, for them to be relegated, they can't be relegated next weekend. No, no, because even if they lose and all of the other three ah, win, yeah, they still have yeah. a playoff with um, with Belgrano, ah. um, San Martin, and T. Oh no, hang on. <laughs> yeah, that's oh correct. no, no, they yeah. can, can't they? If can if, they? if Patronato lose and the other three all win. No, because Pedrano be then level. San Martín, San Juan, and Tigre have to play the playoff because they'll be level on ninety-one points, and Patronato and Belgrano ah. have ninety. So I misspoke. I apologise. Yes. Um, so in fact, yeah, but that's the only combination <laughs> of results that can see Patronato relegated next weekend. There we go. There are other combinations, as I say, which can send them into a relegation playoff. Um, but in that case, it's still very much in their own hands. So we'll see. Um, we're going to take a break now, and I'll go and get some more ice cubes out of the fridge so that we can continue to drink water because it's a bit early for Fernet and it's really hot. Um, So don't go away. Okay, the Sudamericana race. Um, who can mathematically still not qualify? Vélez assured <laughs> their place in the Sudamericana, I think, um, with a win 
at the weekend over. Oh, someone's been No, sent they off. were defeated. Were they? To Independiente. But the other results oh, were, went their way. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes, okay. So their place is secure, I believe. They've got 37 points. Tacheres have got 33, which means, yeah, Belas are definitely in the Sudamericana, as of course are Atletico Tucumán, um, who might. We have to, you know, we're obliged to say that Atletico Tucumán still have a chance of qualifying for the Libertadores via the league, but in fact, as I explained earlier, it ain't going to happen because they're massively um, inferior goal difference uh, wise to River. Um, so, below Vélez, we have Independiente in 7th, Unión in 8th, and Lanús in 9th in the Sudamericana spots. Independiente on 35, so are Unión, and Lanús are on 34. And we then have Tacheres on 33 points, Tigre on 33 points, Huracán on 32 points, Aldosivi on 32 points, and Godoy Cruz on 32 points. So, 7th to 14th. Any of those teams could still either qualify or not qualify mm-hmm. for the Sudamericana. Um, do we know any... Uh, Andres, you've got the fixture list. Oh, it's just next weekend's fixture list. Of course it's next weekend. Yes. I was like, do we know anybody who's got, who can compare the run-ins? And yeah, the run-in is one match. So actually, that's <laughs> quite easy, isn't it? Um, we'll just adjust see. a little hop. Vélez play Lanús, or rather Lanús play Vélez. So that's a relatively pressure-free um, game for Vélez. Um... Independiente are away to Rosario Central. Tigre, of course, are away to River and are far more concerned about avoiding relegation, um, for which they have to win against River and hope that Patronato lose, ideally. Um, Who else did I mention? Tacheres, as I said, are also involved in the relegation battle. Uh, Not themselves, but they're playing San Martín de San Juan. Um, Who else are we looking at? Can anyone else remember the names of all the teams I just mentioned? Union. Union are home to Estudiantes. There we go. Um, Aldo Civi. Did I mention Aldo Civi? Very possible. No. Lanús? Didn't, right? Lanús and uh, Vélez. Ah, yes. Lanús and Vélez, yeah. Um, and then the other lot were... In, let, let's see, it'll be covered so far. So Independiente. <laughs> oh, this is last season's now. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is going well. Where's this season's league table gone? For God's sake. Bear with me, everybody. Thank you, Andres. Andres has just put it in front of me in telephone form. Cheers. So. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, this is not really... This is a disaster. Technology, eh? Right. Cheers, Andres. Independiente. Let's do this in the order of the teams as they are in the league. Are away to Rosario Central on Sunday at Sunday lunchtime. Oh, that's interesting. Not all of these games are being played at once. No, it'd be impossible. Union. The relegation zone and whatnot. Union are at home to Estudiantes de la Plata. Lanús are away to Vélez. Those are the three teams who have already who are currently qualified. Tacheres are away to San Martín de San Juan and Tigre are away to River Plate in two matches that will also have a bearing potentially on the relegation battle but they'll only have that bearing of course if Patronato fail to win their game Huracan are at home to Atletico Tucumán in the Sunday morning kickoff. Um, Aldo Civi are at home to Boca Juniors and Godoy Cruz in another relegation battle match are away to Belgrano who are the most compromised of course of the relegation yes. teams um, are we going to pick three who we think are going to, oh, to qualify 
I think Independiente are basically there. And they're, so, they're yeah. playing Central, who are not at all in any kind of good form, although they did perform pretty well at the weekend in mm-hmm. um, Diego Coca's first game in charge to get a 2 0 win away to Argentinos Juniors. Um, but that was against Argentinos Juniors, it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, no great shakes. Um, I think Independiente should qualify. Below them, I really don't have a clue. No, not, it's not least because. Good. Somebody or other's position could very well depend on if Tigre managed to beat River, whether that means Tigre stay up or not. Because yes. if Tigre finish in the top nine but still get relegated, Tachers then they be, won't be in next year. Tachers could be, perhaps if they win to San Martin San Juan and uh, uh, Lanús are have a more difficult, I think, match against Vélez. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for Independiente, Unión and Tacheres to fill the, to fill the places. Yeah, I mean, Tacheres... Almost, they're only one point below Lanús. Um, they've got better goal difference, and they're they're going to be heavy favourites to to beat Belgrano. So they have a, a very strong case to make it in. Um, and then yeah, you you have to. I guess they have to hope that Vélez decide to actually go out and try and make a point in their last home game of the season, the last game of the season, of course, but in front of their own fans. Um, Gabriel Hainsey at the weekend said after his. Um, side went down 2-1 to Independiente that uh, there are no boys in this squad anymore they're all men he was very impressed with the way that they performed this season as indeed I have to say am I we'll we'll obviously do a proper wrap up of everybody um, next week after the season is over well not of everybody but you know what I mean (laughs) after the season's over rather than now with the game still to go Um, but I think it's fair to say that Vélez are going to be one of the most improved teams compared with last season Um, what else so the Sudamericana battle. That's about it. I think Independiente, yeah. Tacheres, and and someone else um, should get there. Union at home, I wouldn't. Yes, I wouldn't bet against the Union. No, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, Huracan has been not doing very well. Huracan have been terrible. Yeah, and those other two plays Boca. So I think Huracan, what they're going to be focused on now is really. Until they save, they got uh, Palmeiras at home, I believe, tomorrow. Which yes, going to be a tough one. Yeah, and yeah. I think the league, they might as well just write it off as a bad job at this point. Indeed. Um, so that is what the Sudamericana situation looks like. I've just realised we didn't actually discuss any of the other games at the weekend that weren't Wasn't directly... I didn't see or I affected. can't remember any of the other games. There was not an honest. awful lot more to talk about, but I did no. want to just uh, give some give a, a, some props to Ignacio Fernandez for, I think, probably the best in- individual performance, at least of the matches that I caught of the weekend, which involved two fantastic goals for River away to Tacheres yes. um, the first one was a nice finish on a, a decent team move um, and the second one was I think a deliberate tribute to Juan Fernando Quintero who's had his uh, cruciate ligaments operated on mm-hmm. it was a free kick from out on the touchline and about 15 yards from the goal line maybe I mean quite smart because he told the media after the match finished that he had already talked to Silvio Truco the, the referee to allow him play play quickly mm. um, after the well he when he received any foul, fouls um, and uh, so that that's why he uh, shot it quickly and and Truco didn't say anything uh, uh, yeah. he he could have stopped the or, or not allowed the the goal which was polemic because someone some people said that uh, he didn't blow the whistle or he didn't uh, uh, do any gesture or, or anything that. Made I mean, I, I think that 
the rule around free kicks is, or, or it was a couple of seasons ago, it's obviously quite difficult to keep up sometimes, It is that unless the referee specifically tells the taker you have to wait for me to blow my whistle, the taker can take it when he wants, right? Yes. Or, or to, obviously there are some situations to, where it's not central where the referee will say you have to wait for me to set the yes. ball up. Or to do anything like uh, play yeah. or, or say anything, unless the player that go, is going to play the free kick doesn't, uh, doesn't ask for the... The oh, men, permission, then it's yes. okay. Uh, the, the barrera or the men that block the, mm. the, the, the the shot. Uh, so uh, in the second half, he had to say to the Tacheres players that uh, had another free kick for, uh, in favor of them that if they wanted the the, the barrier, uh, they had they had then to to wait sure. for the for the whistle. Right. Mm. Which mentioned as well, if we're talking about River, that they have had even more injury-wise. Yes, they have. Franco uh, Armani. Franco yes. Armani has Cheer. done something horrible to himself. Torn ligaments of some type, yeah. And is going to be out for... Three, um, week, three weeks. No, it's a hamstring tear. Yeah. Um, so obviously for a goalkeeper, it's, it's even, a less yes. serious maybe. but um, And it's much less serious either way than, than Quintero's injury is. But yes. it's, I think um, River in English, uh, our friend, was tweeting that it's the 18th injury of River's year, not season, but the 18th injury that they've picked up in their first team squad during 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So the proof that they sold is their soul to win their Libertadores, and now the devil's come back to could be to pick up his, uh, his the fame. main the main reason anyway that I, that I mentioned Fernandez was of course that we have to give our, our image of the week, and I know that you gave a nomination for it earlier, Dan, which you can remind us of in a minute. The image of the week in in um, conjunction with Fanatis, through whom you can get the best image of Argentine football by going to fntz.co/hop and using the code HOPFZ. Um, for 20% off your first three months with Libertadores and Sudamericana if you're watching from the States, Super La Liga if you're watching from anywhere outside Latin America, um, and hopefully um, the Copa de la Super Liga as well. They're expecting to be able to transmit that. Um, I'm not sure whether that's been finalised just yet, but go and check it out. Um, the reason I say this is that I would like to, to nominate a competing image, which is not actually from the game, it's the fact that whenever Ignacio Fernandez gets awarded the Man of the Match award, we are reminded of the fact that he's like he's 28 or something, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's not young, and he still has braces in. I mean, his dentist, who must have put those things in when he was about 12, has at no point said, "By the way, you can take them out. I, I can take those out for you anytime you want." So you're saying he just forgot to go back to the dentist to get them taken out? Yeah, I mean, either that or, or the dentist has, has pulled a fast one on him. Very possibly. It's, it's one of the two. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my, my nomination is Ignacio Fernandez's smile, which mm. looks like no 28-year-old smile should do. I mean, his teeth <laughs> are all perfectly in line. Yeah. Well, sorry. But that's that because they're being held there, apparently. Yeah. Um, and Dan, your nomination was, just to re- refresh our memories? There's, yeah, there's uh, Lisandro Lopez bowling in the middle of the game, just kind of um, unable to process Racing on the verge of winning a title. And him winning one with Racing. How many titles has he won in his career? Loads. You must have looked this up, right? He's won... I did an article on Lissandro building up to this game. Because he was part of Leon when they were winning every single season, wasn't he? He didn't win that much with Leon Because okay. that was... I think that was just in the start of PSG's ascendancy. Uh, 2006, 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. around that. But he won a lot of titles with uh, Porto, of course. Yes. Ah, yes, that was yes. the. Yeah, you're quite he right. in the Porto ascendancy. Uh, you must have more than 10 uh, overall. But none of which was the first one. Right. This is, of, of none course, of which means much. Indeed. Yes. The, se- the second, very kind of more uh, 
hilarious image from that game was um, Chachacode, who'd already managed to get himself sent off for confusing the fourth official with oh, I've got a stat his that, substitution. Yeah. I don't know who was to blame, whether it was Khaled or whether it was the fourth official, but you managed to get him sent off. I, I saw you the, tweet the that. The fourth official you. appeared to think that um, that they wanted to bring Neri Dominguez off. Yes. And he actually wanted to bring... Was it Sweetanich? No, Sweetanich. I knew it was one of the centre-forwards. Yeah. And he was, yeah. yeah. Carry on, sorry. And obviously, and Chacho after that didn't actually go to the stands. He kind of just waited in the tunnel. Uh, once that uh, Union goal had gone in, and I think there must have been some cross-wires, they thought it was um, full-time in, in Varela. So the whole um, uh, technical team started celebrating on the, down the tunnel, basically, with Chacho. And he took his lucky scarf off and gave it to one of the collaborators. Hmm. About 30 seconds after that goal, Defensive Quintesia scored, and Tigreasa scored. And I think he was just absolutely breaking at that. Oh, shit, I'll, put, I'll take off my lucky scarf now. What's going to happen? The other thing, actually, which I'd forgotten was that by that point, Defensive Odisio had also had a goal disallowed for offside right. in, in like two minutes into stoppage time, yeah. um, which was correctly disallowed, by the way, before anybody starts to think, oh, maybe they really want If Mostaza Melo will have been the coach, he will have put some glue in the scarf, I think. Glue in the scarf, possibly. <laughs> to make sure he couldn't take it off. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the Chacho Codet stat, which I saw one of the uh, Argentine statisticians tweet very shortly after he was sent off, um, was that managing in Argentina, because of course he had a spell in Mexico as well, didn't he? Yes. Um, he has been sent off, I think it's a total of 18 times or something, in something like 176 matches. He's basically yeah. ascending off every 10 games Fantastic. Um, as, as a manager. Brilliant effort there. Which, yeah, you, you have to really be trying. To manage that, <laughs> as, as a manager, I mean, you know, as a player, it's a highly impressive record in itself. It's yes. getting on for Gerardo Bedoya levels, but uh, as a manager, it's, it's remarkable, really. Is. It really is. Let me say about the image of the round. Uh, I, I agree with you. It's Nacho Fernandez either throwing that that incredible free kick or smiling, and the image of the Eagles uh, also offer or, or suggest the image of the of the Superliga uh, as a final image. Which is, of course, it's not a, 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 a real or, 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 or a fixed image, but this um, Licha Lopez or Lisandro Lopez getting the, this so so expected title for him, and some teammates like I think like Sitanich like saying in an interview that they wanted, I, I, I imagine all of the of squad wanting Lisandro Lopez to win the title. I mean. They knew that it was so special for him that they wanted to won, win it for him. Mm. It is uh, really, really uh, touching, perhaps. Uh, and I, I can't, uh, as, as well as I, I can't imagine the suffering that Racing supporters had in the past. I also can't imagine how he feel. He feels, uh, Lisandro Lopez feels about this, because it's uh, incredible how they are. His teammates wanted him to win it. Yeah, no, that's that's appreciation. Uh, we'll move on to listeners' questions. We've had a few. Oh, we've had quite a few, actually. We've had more than I thought, because I only announced this recording on Twitter fairly late on. Everyone wants um, to talk about Racing, I'm sure. So, uh, I'm sure they're going to. We'll find out now. <coughs> um, we have had a, a picture of uh, Lawrence Hart um, celebrating in his Racing shirt. So, congratulations, Racing uh, and Lawrence, indeed. Um, I hope that Lawrence, by the way, has joined the... Racing UK. 
Oh, um, well, no, no. Filial oh. in London, by the way, Lawrence, because you're from Brighton, you're not that far away. Uh, Des Corkill says, will Defensa y Justicia ever have another chance to win the league? Anything's possible. Um, I can't see it happening... Uh, like it did this season with this team exactly I think it's, yes. it's, very, it's not going to happen next season very soon going to be dismantled yeah. um, but if they can not use with this, if they can use this as the sort of platform to then become a more established I mean I, I would say that they are now an established Super League side um, if they can use it as, as, as the platform to attract other people with similar ideas other players with similar ideas another manager with similar ideas then yeah maybe they can build on it and, and get them to the point but as I say, it's, it's going to be a couple of squats down the line, you would think, generation-wise, maybe a few years. Yeah, you'd have to say for Defensive Cordicia, the, the real goal in the medium the medium term, at least, is going to be consolidation. It's still one of the Superliga clubs with the smallest fan bases, the, the smallest uh, number of members. Um, attendances are, are down the bottom as well, even though, even though they, were, we, they were going for the title. I think if you look at, obviously... Someone like San Martín in Tucumán has a much bigger stadium and much more established, but uh, they they brought more fans by a, a fairly hefty magnitude mm. than Defensive Justicia are going for the title. But this is something to build on, yeah. I mean, Florencio Varela is a, it's a big kind of partido, it's a big department, there's a lot of people there. I mean, if they can use this to really get out into the community and create something along the lines of, say, Lanús or a team like Quilmes, you know, who are really kind of... Um, the emblems, the icons of their of their local community. That's that's a step in the right direction. I think that's got to be their goal more than just chasing one-off titles. If if you know what I'm if you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would say is that if you'd asked us this, you did you didn't ask us this question. You couldn't have asked us this question because we weren't around. Um, indeed, it was before Dan and I even lived in Argentina, albeit quite shortly after I started blogging about Argentine football um, about you could have asked the same question about Tigre because in the 2007 Apertura I've just looked this up so these dates are actually correct so I'm not just guessing off the top of my head which is what I normally do um, in the 2007 Apertura uh, when Lanús of course won the title speaking of teams who are unlikely title winners as Lanús appeared to be at that point they've won another one since then of course um, Tigre finished second uh, they had a fantastic uh, season they beat River 4-1 they got a 3-2 win over Racing they got a 2-1 win over Boca was that um, not the season of the triple playoff no it wasn't ah. because that was a year later right and if you'd asked us at the end of the 2007 Apertura are Tigre ever going to get this close to winning the league again mm. we'd probably have said no and a year later they got even closer to winning the league because they actually tied for first with Boca and San Lorenzo um and had to play a, a mini round robin, mm-hmm. which ended up with Boca winning the title. And Tigre, I think, finished second of the three of them. Um, so it isn't beyond the realms of possibility. You know, there are, there are comparable situations. Obviously, Tigre are a, a more historic club and they, they've got more history in the top flight of Argentine football going back decades and decades than the Defensa Odisea have. Um, but it, it wouldn't be entirely surprising. But it's mm-hmm. going to be difficult with the current squad. Yes, of course, but uh, I think that once you realize how to do it, of course it's not easy. It's easy to say not to do it, but uh, to keep the way they have been, uh, even when they have a lot of players uh, on loan uh, from other teams, to keep that way uh, and and to try to keep the respect they have gained from other teams, because now 
a lot of people will will see or will watch what they will do next season. Of course, they have they they have, they uh, are able to keep this squad much better for them. It will un unlikely will happen that, but uh, uh, now they have to keep that way. Of course, they, if they do it, they may fight for another title, uh, like Dan said. Perhaps not this season, but perhaps in the next next one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Perfect Tommy says, as we reach the end of the Superliga, what would what do you all like to do during the break to pass the time? Uh, I mean, it's April. We're recording this <laughs> on the 2nd of April. Um, we've got the Copa de la Superliga to come, of course, to pass the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know whether exactly who's going to be able to watch it from outside Argentina, but we'll be able to watch it from inside Argentina. We have the Sudamericano and the Trans under 17 uh, where Argentina yeah. is going to play the, the final round uh, after a miracle uh, qualification beating Brazil in the last minute they oh, had you needed to beat Brazil 3-0 and they yes. beat Brazil 3-0 right that yes. was the yeah indeed uh, I, I haven't actually been paying any attention to that because it seems fundamentally I find it a bit weird to watch 16 year olds playing to football um, it just mm. it, it, and taking it seriously yes, like, it, it's just a bit like a lot of these kids are going to fall away in the next couple of years because that's how development works. Um, and yeah, but I, I have noticed a couple uh, of the results. Unless they aren't, uh, they aren't hired by or signed by a, a team in, in abroad, and 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 they can keep there, or they can really play there. It's, yes, perhaps happens like you say. Uh, but yes, it was a miracle, perhaps uh, qualification. But the perhaps more remarkable thing or most interesting thing about uh, this is that the kids, after winning Brazil, which is not known nothing, or no, it's nothing, it's it's not a thing that happens every day. Hmm. They try to be with the Brazilian players and, and they consult them, yeah, yes, they, yeah, something that which perhaps Paul Aymar is is proud of because he tries to teach these things to the players. Yeah. If we remember what happened, was it 2015 when Humberto Grandona was there? And it just ended up in a massive brawl and he was basically saying, hey, you don't get any prizes for fair play, do you? It's great that they're <laughs> yeah. a bunch of pricks. And in fact, of course, you literally do get a prize for fair play. Well, yes, this is true. It's not yeah. one that anybody cares about, but it's, yeah. there is one. Ah, um, with regards to the actual question, the break, whenever it comes, um, it all obviously, obviously depend on... You've got the Women's World Cup at the end of the Women's Copa World Cup, we'll have the Copa America. Copa America. Then in July, I'll be trying to learn how the hell one raises a kid. <laughs> as I'm, I'm hopefully, in about a month's time, going to be moving... Well, hopefully in a month's time, I'll have moved flat. We're still waiting to hear confirmation of that so yeah we've got that should keep us occupied life. at least over the over the winter yeah life, life work everything yeah. take a bit of a break yes. from watching football all the time indeed drink some beer perhaps uh, taking <laughs> in Dagonda, we haven't drink any fernet here no drunk any yeah we haven't uh, we're, we're on the water in the mat there I'll speak yes. of which I'll pour you another one down so thank you this. Um, Nick says following the latest tense episode between Icardi's wife Wanda and Inter how are agents policed in Argentina? Is third-party ownership still a big thing? Do family members act as agents a lot? Or is it usually an external influence for players? Um, yes, on the first question, there's still a lot of third-party stuff going along. Uh, not so much kind of players being owned in their entirety, but there's very few players, I think, whose agent doesn't 
doesn't at least have a 10%, a 20% in their um, a stake in the guy's future. There, there's at least one club, because I know that River do it, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if one or two of the others do as well, which mm. gives, rather than agents, they make sure that the player's family has, I think it's a 10% stake in all of their yeah, contracts. Yeah, that happens a lot as well. Um, so that when the players get signed, it gets sold on, the family have something to um, keep them happy as mm. well. Uh, which, and for young players as well, they often give a 10%... Um, to the first club, right? And I mean, mm. uh, in the case of uh, Lautaro Martinez, when he moved to Racing, he came from not Olimpio, not Olimpo, Liniers de Bahia Blanca, who yeah. are something like a Federal B team very far down, and they got a, they had a 10% stake in his contract even when he moved to Inter, mm. which, as you can imagine, for a team like that, turned out to be fairly lucrative. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But um, that, that's something new, right? Uh, the, that, uh, uh, what, the, the, the family of the player to get that 10%? River have been doing it for at least most of the time I've lived here because I first heard about it in about 2012 or 2013. Yeah. Because it's usual to hear from them, from their players that uh, are asked uh, what have they done with their first salary or wage mm. and they say, saying that they uh, bought a, a, a house for their, for their parents yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. So... Um. So yeah, I mean, third-party ownership is... I, I get the impression it's not as big a thing as it was when, for instance, the Carlos Tevez and Javier Mascherano moving to Corinthians yeah. uh, became a thing. Um, or perhaps they it just, still happens. It's not or perhaps they just hide it a little bit better on the books now, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, the, as far as I'm aware, there's no rule against it still here, is there? No, but Maybe it's, it's one of those things that's kind of like of things, yeah, yeah. frowned upon, I think, for transparency purposes. Yeah. And certainly, and in terms of family members acting as agents, yeah, that happens a, a fair bit. You get people's brothers or cousins or yes. whatever. Anyway, uh, in the case of Wanda, I don't think that Mauro Icardi uh, gives Wanda 10% because they, I think he gives her, gives her, gives her a lot more. But, but there's uh, a smutty joke to be made there. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> okay, so, um, uh, We'll refrain from doing so. Cody Laboy says, now that the Superliga is wrapping up, are there any other, are there any lower league grounds in Buenos Aires that you think are worth visiting? I recall Atlanta having been mentioned on the pod once or twice. Yeah, Atlanta's great fun. If you're in Buenos Aires now, they're playing tonight against Guay Urquiza. That, that's not tonight by the time you hear this, of course. It'll be last night. Yeah. Um, they did play. Oh, also, we've got a promotion in they're also uh, very, They're also very easy to get to because they're right next to a Subte station. Indeed. Which is not yes. the case for a lot of stadiums in yes. Buenos Aires. On that subject, um, we have a promotion from the Primera B, oh, Metropolitana. Barraca Central, uh, Chiquitapia's team. Surprise, surprise. They went up with a 1-0 win over Akasusa. Mm-hmm. Was it a dodgy penalty by any chance? I don't think so, no. And they've gone up with um, seven games to spare. They've absolutely walked the Metro. Yes, uh, as was expected. If you They played some very good football. Uh, dodgy refereeing decisions aside, there's not. you can't really complain about the promotion. Yeah. They, no, were, no, they, they were, were very one of the stronger teams. They were 20 points clear of the fifth place team. So. Um, in terms of other lower league grounds in Buenos Aires, I just tend to recommend the, the easily accessible ones. Fedro is not too far away from line A of the Subte. Mm-hmm. And it's also actually genuinely one of the more historical grounds of any It's good fun, Fedro, yeah. Uh, Fedro are the only Buenos Aires club who have never moved their pitch since they were founded. They ah. still play, their first team matches still played in the same spot that Federer's first team matches have always been played in, at least when they've been playing in their own stadium, yeah, you know, yeah. when, when they've had yeah. to move the, uh, play home matches in other team stadiums for whatever reason, that's not been the case. But Gilmes uh, also. Gilmes is a fucker to get. Yeah, I mean, it's not <laughs> most easy accessible. <laughs> not easy, but it's... Uh, and I, I can't I, recommend I mean, it personally because I've not been. Um, no. Plus, I remember no, when... Uh, I, I will say... Yeah. 
I remember when the Huracan London guys came down and one of the guys got mugged outside Kilmister Stadium. So well, go, I guess yeah. So you've been. Go escorted. I've been as well. Like, I have been there, there and I, I, I um, yeah. think it's so difficult mm-hmm. than Arsenal, for example, uh, or, or Sakachispas. Mm. These you've are got all programs that I just yeah. can't be bothered going to. You've well. got to know where you're going in the Kilmister Stadium and if someone kindly asks to escort you, just don't. <laughs> Don't yeah. go with him because he's probably going to take you down a blind alley and rob, this, rob you blind. In fairness, I would say the same about pretty much any stadium in any division well, in Argentina. Um, I'm also going to add, because it's relatively easy to get to, and it's in quite a nice area of town. And I happen to think, I've not actually seen a game there, but I've been past it a bunch of times. So I happen to think it looks quite nice. Excursionistas de Belgrano. Um <laughs> have a very lovely little uh, the stadium I think was first put up in about 1904 or something and the the main gate into the main stand looks like it's been there since about 1904 <laughs> it's quaint and, yeah. and quite nice also comunicaciones it's comunicaciones as well yeah. it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Voto. it's not not that hard to, to yeah, and Defensores de Belgrano what we're talking about yeah. relatively accessible as well I mean it's as accessible as, as River Plate Stadium because it's practically next to it I mean, it's not actually practically next to it. It's a short walk away, but it's definitely walking distance. We'll have to do something on Comunicaciones one day if we haven't, because it's, it's quite a fun story. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot kind of, a lot of resistance because they've been bankrupt a few times and kind of everyone's tried to buy them at some point. Uh, Ugo Moshano was trying to get mm-hmm. them and another business type, who I can't remember the name of right now, but another one of these kind of shady characters. Watch this space. Maybe that's, and they've uh, always... Um, They've managed to resist and they've kept it like a publicly owned club, like a member-owned club. Maybe it's a topic for an off-season episode at some point. Very possibly. Yes. No Art says, would you shed light on Argentine youth player development? Will the lack of a unified modern system like France or Germany's finally catch up to Argentina? Or will the brilliance, or does the brilliance in football just run in Argentine blood and that they're going to be fine in years to come? My immediate response to this is that Argentina have been past the World Cup quarterfinals once since 1990. Um, They haven't won a trophy at full grown-up international men's level since 1993 in the Copa America. I would say that in many ways, the lack of a unified modern system has very much caught up with them already. And that they're hanging on to the position that they currently hold because of raw talent and uh, scouts who do fantastic jobs for some of the bigger clubs and therefore manage to develop young players I don't know what you two think of that yeah I'd agree with that um, it's a tough one to gauge because I don't think the the youth system's any worse than what I understand is in place in, in somewhere like Brazil for example but Brazil in that same period have won the World Cup twice and, and got to the final another time um Although but obviously, been back to the final since 2002, of course. So they haven't, no. Um, it's it's a, a question of economics. Economy. Like yeah. we've talked on the, on the pod before about how teams um, have this necessity to kind of hothouse young talent, get them ready for Europe as soon as possible to get to be sold at 2021, which obviously can stunt their develop their development kind of as. As people, you know, on a personal level. Um, it's difficult. I'd say it's more this economic need and kind of the need for instant results, which wouldn't change even if you had a unified youth football system. And again, it's unfeasible because the, the economics aren't there. Um, Although I think, I, 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 wonder, I wonder whether one of the 
things to watch might be the development of the women's um, game because as we mentioned last week or the week before the women's first division is being made not entirely but largely professional in mm-hmm. about two and a half months time now yeah, um, yeah but on, uh, with help on a youth the level it's going to continue to be amateur like. sure but what I'm saying is that if I can um, have a little bit of a train of thought is, is that I'm just wondering whether the fact that that is largely happening because in a way because of what in English cricket terms or in rugby terms you might call centralised contracts right. um, with the AFA helping clubs out to pay wages and presumably the AFA are going to say you know we want the best players to be also given to us for maybe a day each week to train with the national team which right. is what they're trying to do with some of the youth men's players as yeah. well um, and what Menotti in particular has been pressing for in the last few days um, I wonder whether that's kind of some part of a way forward. It should be a relatively simple system to do something like that with in Argentina because of the fact that so many of the clubs are based in and around Buenos Aires as well. It's feasible, yeah. I mean, funnily enough, just... To, oh, God. Because I mentioned somebody getting sent off earlier and then it, um, we're watching Wolves against Man United as we record. It's not going Something's well, happened. No, it's not. Yes. Carry on now. Um, just this morning in Ole, I was, I was reading about the, um, the rugby team which has a very similar um, system to, uh, to the one you just mentioned, not for youth players, but for kind of internationals uh, who are centrally contracted to the, to the Argentine Rugby Union. Yeah, and who play for Jaguaris and, and Super for Rugby, rugby and have to if they want to play for the national side. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also ended in crisis now. They've got fewer and fewer players because of the economy. Basically, the dollars so, I mean, the peso so poor against the dollar, the economy's in such a state that uh, most of these players, even with the promise of central contracts, are just saying, no, I'd, I'd rather play in England or in France because I'm going to get a decent contract I can live on and, yeah. and save with. So that's always going to be the problem um, for as many central contracts as, as you give out at youth level. Even a team in Russia and Portugal and even in China, they can, they can trump you. Mm. Uh, no matter what kind of numbers you're talking about, that's going to be the big issue. For, for clubs, it's always going to be... Uh, it's going to make more financial sense to sell these players at a young age to, to Europe or or wherever than to keep them on and you know just to, to help the effort. Indeed, that's the big issue. Liam Kelly, who is not related to me, says, "Congratulations, Rassing. It's a shame that it's been decided now, but Defensor would have flattered to deceive again anyway." Will Dan be celebrating a double promotion with Atlanta? They play tonight against White Orquiza, as Dan has just mentioned. In fact, do you think they're going to? Get up, Dan. Atlanta are one of those teams that have, they just flirt with promotion constantly and somehow find a way not to, not to make it. I'm hoping this year will be different, and it really should be with you know four automatic promotion spots. Um, a win tonight against um, the Y would be huge. Um, I think they would give them a five point cushion over over Akasusa. Uh, fingers crossed. That's all, all I can say. They had a mini crisis, which saw um, the coach Pepe Catro leave. He'd been doing really good work there the first half of the season. Uh, the players are there. They they play some pretty decent football at, at times when they want to Atlanta. And yeah, I'd love to see them put the cherry on the cake of this season by by going up to the Nacional. Yeah, uh, Liam also says, "Who needs Juan Fernando Quintero when you have Nacho Fernandez?" 
Wayne Rooney was also taking tips from him. And then he asks, are Boko finally going to break their away fan duck at Aldo City, who tend to allow fans away fans in for the big clubs? Oh. Uh, you might remember a few weeks ago that we mentioned Boko, the only one of the big five who haven't been uh, had any away fans permitted for any of their matches this Superliga season. The answer to Liam's question is... Yes, this was confirmed yesterday. Um, Boca yes. are going to be allowed to take fans to their final game of the season away to Aldo Civi. Davi- it was a call actually um, from Defensa Justicia to let fans into Racing on Sunday. I'm guessing they won't pursue that now. No, probably not. I remember how they get Tacheres, they are supporters mm. in Cordoba. Yes, uh, David Cito says, remind us all what's happening with the league next season. Is the system changing again? We've heard reports on this in the week, right? Or was that last week? The There's going to be a straight round uh, torneo corto Yeah, so th- 23 games. The same system again as yes, this season, just with two fewer teams. Um, followed by Copa de la Superliga next season, in which, which the system would change. Race into groups. Of yeah, of how, so how it's going to be twenty four next season, isn't it? So two yeah. groups of twelve teams followed so by eleven games, quarterfinals and semis, or possibly just by yes. semis and the final. Um, with and this is really stupid, right? <laughs> the, the Copa de la Superliga, just to reiterate, is not a league championship; mm-hmm. it's a cup championship. It will be recognised as a cup championship. But the rumours that were going around yesterday uh, on on Monday, because we're recording on Tuesday. Um, were saying that the Promedios next season will include Copa de la Superliga games. So which kind means of a, that you're going to decide relegation from the top flight based mm-hmm. on a cup competition, not on the league, yeah. partly. Which is just it, it, as if the Promedios weren't already a stupid enough system. So it's kind of similar um, what they used to do with the Metropolitana and Nacional, right? Because you had mm. one half of the season a straight league system with, with the uh, difference being that those were both with the metro- as league titles. Yeah, but yeah. exactly. Uh, but you had promedios that counted for both, if I remember mm. correctly, in Nacional, which was kind of regionalized groups and then yeah. knockouts. And yeah, yeah. Who knows what they're so, doing? Let's just get to 20, 2020, 2021 and just sort this fucking thing out. Those are the re- uh, the the rumours at the moment. Anyway, I don't think that we have had any questions by email, but I'll just check. No, we haven't had any questions by email. Good. Which means that you're about to hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the last weekend, coupled with us desperately trying to work out, after I've said them all, what they mean um, for the relegation standings. So, don't go away. Okay, I should probably note these down so that we've got something to refer back to afterwards, shouldn't I? So let's go. I will be clear. San Martín de Tucumán versus San Lorenzo. Mm. Doesn't really matter for anything. San Lorenzo ain't going to do anything. San Martín are already down. Yeah. They could do a three points for the promedios, I'm guessing. But yeah. yeah, I'm going to go for a San Martín de Tucumán win. Going out on a I think it'll be funny. Uh, that's the only game on Friday evening, mm. interestingly. On Saturday, Gimnasia against Colón in La Plata. I think is a Gimnasia win. Banfield against Newells in Banfield, I think, is a draw. Union against Estudiantes in Santa Fe looks to me like an Union win. And Belles versus Lanús is going to be... Oof, I'll go for a draw. I don't really know which side of the fence to come down on for that one. Uh, the final game on Saturday is Aldo Civi versus Boca Juniors, which I think will be a Boca Juniors win. Need to scroll down now where my trackpad allows me to. Good. 
Huracan on Sunday, kicking off at 11 in the morning against Atletico Tucumán. I think that that's going to be an Atletico Tucumán win. Rosario Central versus Independiente. Going for an Independiente win in that one. Patronato versus Argentinos. I'm going to go for a draw. Tempted to go for a Patronato win, but I think it'll finish all square. Which puts Patronato on to 91 points. These games are all kicking off at the same time, remember. Or they should kick off at the same time, because, of course, Tigre versus Racing kicked off five minutes later. Yes. Than defending with DCA versus Union last weekend, for some reason. Um, anyway, so Patronato, I think, are going to get a point. Belgrano versus Godoy Cruz um, is going to be a Godoy Cruz win. I'm sorry, Belgrano, but I think you're going down. Rivers reserves against Tigre um, is going to be be a hmm it's going to be a good game it's going to it is going to be a good game because they're both in form I'm going to go for a draw there which of course would relegate Tigre sorry and San Martin versus Tacheres I'm going to go for San Martin to snatch a win which would have San Martin and Patronato therefore tied on 91 points and playing off against each other to stay up and then the final game of the season is the champions against the team who are going to start the weekend in second place. And if my prediction of a Boca win um, comes in, and then of course they'll be starting the match in third place, I think that Racing are going to beat Defensive Justicia. Yeah. I think that they'll take it seriously enough and the Defensive Justicia will, will continue to just shoot from anywhere on the pitch. Um, and therefore, that the top three at the end of the season are going to be Racing, Boca, Defensive Justicia in that order. Mm. Um I had Atletico Tucumán to beat Huracán, but I also had River to get a point against Tigre. So that means that River finished fourth, yeah. Atletico Tucumán have to finish, have to settle for fifth, but it, a good season for them, it has to be said. Relegation-wise, I've already sold you. And what else do those results tell us about the Sudamericana, gents? It would be Independiente and Unión taking the last couple of places because you put both of those to win. Okay. And, and there's I one can't space remember left. what you said about Tacheres. Tacheres, I had Tacheres to uh, lose to San Martín de San Juan. Ah, so that would be Lanús in there. Yes. Correct. And Lanús, I had to draw, draw. to draw against yes. Vélez. Yeah, so that would tip Lanús in, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. There we go. We'll see what ends up Wish happening. Us. It's going so to be an interesting weekend. Is Pepe San qualifying alone, perhaps, because eight, eight goals in ten games? Yes, true, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting weekend, whichever way it goes. Thank you very much for spending the season with us. Don't forget that you can catch this weekend's action on Fanatis if you're outside Latin America. All you have to do is go to fntz.co slash HOP, and if you want 20% off your first three months with them, use the code HOPFZ. Thank you very much for listening to us for another week. We'll see you again next... Well, you'll, you'll hear from us again next week. Um, we're now going to need to think up something special to record for Hand of Pod Extra yes. for our Patreon supporters. If you want to be one of those Patreon supporters, you can head to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up there. We're also, if you have any board. suggestions for themes, we're open to suggestions. Always. Yes, we're more than happy to take them because we often struggle to think up stuff. As you might have realised if you listen to Hand of Pod Extra. Um, you won't have realised it because it's excellent and you're all missing out if you don't listen Indeed. to it. Of course, that's what I meant to say. Yes. For now, thanks very much and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And me, goodbye. Uh, There are four scores to tell you about, by the way, in matches this evening, uh, which have taken place since we recorded. 
Two in the Copa Libertadores. San Lorenzo got a 1-0 home win over Palmeiras uh, to put them top of their Libertadores group. Boca Juniors didn't have such a good night. They were away to Atletico Paranaense and they lost 3-0 with Marco Ruben scoring a hat-trick. In the under-17 South American Championship, Argentina and Peru have just drawn 0-0. And in uh, Argentina's women's um, World Cup warm-up friendly, they're currently, I think we mentioned on the episode, uh, just starting a tour of the United States in which they're going to play, I think it's four university teams, at least the first two games are against university teams anyway. Um, they have just beaten uh, Utah Valley University 3-1. They went 1-0 down and indeed were still 1-0 down at half-time um, but rallied really well in the second half. Uh, if you get a chance when you hear this, if you've not seen the goals already, um, then have a look on my Twitter uh, profile where I've retweeted them because they say put the goals out afterwards because um, the second and third ones particularly were, were really nice long-range strikes.